Well, today is our annual Vision Sunday. We're going to look at some of the highlights of what we got up to last year as a church. We'll look a little bit ahead. And as Debbie and I met with the pastors who oversee various areas, they came and they shared stories with us, and we captured some of those, which we'll give you today. It was just overwhelming, so exciting to hear what we as a people have been up to. And unfortunately, most things won't get a mention today. But as always, our media team have been very creative and produced some fantastic film pieces, which I trust you'll enjoy. And so by way of introduction, here's an overview of some of the things that we got up to as a church last year.
When this church began with a handful of us, really, 19 and a half years ago, we had a sense of what the Lord wanted this church to be. And we wrote a vision statement that in two sentences attempted to capture that, and it's still uh, as true today as it was then. This is how it goes. God has called us to build a growing, regional, biblically-based church in Nottingham, which will, in a creative and contemporary way, in the power of the Holy Spirit, worship God and communicate the gospel with compassion and generosity. We aim to make, train, and equip disciples to be effective in the extending of God's kingdom, to develop leaders, to plant new churches, and to contribute to the blessing of the whole body of Christ. Now, as I did last year, I'm going to highlight some of the things that we do as a church under the five hallmarks which we believe really describe the way we do what we do. We are called to be servants who are outward-looking, compassionate, generous, and who do things well. You know, we do a lot of things. Worship, for instance, is our highest priority. We devote significant amounts of time and resources to that. We place great emphasis on the Word of God. We invest in healthy small groups. We pour ourselves into the next generation. But whatever we do, these five qualities, hopefully, you'll see shine through. So let's begin with the first one. We are servant-hearted. Our model, of course, is Jesus, and he was very clear with his followers that he came not to be served, but to serve. And we in the church here, we're not here to be served. We are here to serve those within and outside of the church. There are hundreds of you who already are serving throughout the life of the church. You may be working full-time in the world, doing something else, but you're pouring in time and energy that you could otherwise be spending on yourself or your family in serving others. We have about 150 areas of ministry, and most of you are involved in one or more of those. You don't just come to church to be fed, but you actually, again, last year invested somewhere in the region of 200,000 voluntary hours serving others. That is just absolutely awesome. This year, we have 22 on the discipleship year, serving at least two days a week, working as volunteers. They receive a bit of training as they build community together. We have 13 on the discipleship year plus, volunteering themselves at least a day a week. And it's not just volunteers. Our staff don't just do their job. From the least visible person changing light bulbs or printing the 44,500 bulletins that we handed out this past year, to the conferencing team who hosted over 14,000 delegates at 500 events, to pastors and ministry staff, sometimes working late into the night, ensuring ministries happen and people are cared for, our staff regularly go well beyond the call of duty. They enable you to participate in the many things that we do as a church, carrying responsibility and facilitating volunteers to often do the more exciting stuff. Now, while I mentioned the conferencing team, there's let me just read you one of the many, many, many bits of positive feedback from one of our clients. This is the University of Nottingham, and it's pretty affirming. It's their words. Thank you once again for hosting and helping to plan a very successful conference. We know we can always rely on Trent Vineyard Conferencing. It is the best conference center in Nottingham. A significant amount of staff and volunteer time is given to organizing events which bless other churches across the national movement as well as other denominations. And last month, we served our movement again by hosting the National Leaders Conference. We had about 1,200 leaders from all over the nation. And that involves thousands of volunteer hours. 
Not only are many of our team here first thing in the morning until the lights go out at night, but throughout that time, they serve with a smile on their face, a fact which is noted by people right across from many, many other churches. The Vineyard Kids team, in addition to hosting hundreds of children each week in their groups on a Sunday, they've started to encourage their children to serve each other too. So each week, a couple of the four to five-year-old children from Megabytes visit the ones and threes to serve with the adult team in leading worship before returning to their own groups. The kids also serve alongside the adult team on hosting and refreshments, other things. Some of the five to seven-year-olds serve as ambassadors, showing new families to their right rooms. Youth are developing at least 25 young leaders with varying levels of responsibility who serve at lots of events. And one young man I heard about, his name is Scott, particularly wanted to develop as a leader, and he messaged the youth youth team to ask if he could serve. He said, I'm happy to do anything. And he volunteered to serve at Alpha with no prompting. And arriving straight from school in his uniform, he serves there every week. And it's just amazing to see many of the young people who've been in Trent Youth for years are now helping to disciple the younger ones. Over this last year, our Sunday teams have parked cars over 35,000 times. They've emptied over 800 bins, and apparently not even counting the children, have welcomed people through these doors more than 62,000 times. We organize the Dreaming the Impossible Youth Camp each May, and this year a team of over 70 volunteers from here served over 700 young people and youth leaders from 40 vineyards across the country. In October, we hosted here the Cause to Live For conference with uh, over 750 young adults, from across the nation with a couple of hundred of them sleeping on the site here in this building. Debbie and I not only lead this church, but from September last year, we are now also serving as national directors for the Vineyard Movement in the UK and Ireland. And so you're sharing us currently with another 116 churches. And so a number of our senior staff, especially Tom and Helen, have stepped up to take on more responsibility in order to release us to do that. In September, we hosted this thing here, this event, this, um, when we officially started as national directors, and it was a huge event uh, run by lots of people helping, and the discipleship year and a small group of volunteers turned around this auditorium. It was laid out like a restaurant with round tables all over and flowers and all that sort of thing. They turned it round into an auditorium with a 1,000 chairs in just 45 minutes. And the professional caterer who just catered the lunch, as she came back into the room, she was absolutely stunned. She said she'd, she'd worked at weddings and countless corporate events in conference centers. She had never seen anything like it. And when she was told that this team was made up of volunteers, she simply couldn't believe it. And she asked how many of the teams she could take away in her van. <laughs> I want to finish this little section on servant-heartedness with a photograph I took a few weeks ago. I was just walking down the upstairs corridor. And... What I saw struck me as amusing, so I grabbed my phone and quickly took this picture. It actually captures something quite profound about many of you here. Much of what you do is behind the scenes. It's kind of invisible and faceless. You get the job done, but you may feel nobody notices your tireless service. And even if others don't see you, let me assure you, God notices, and he is really pleased with you. So we no doubt have a long way to go, but I do believe that a significant hallmark of Trent is that we are servant-hearted. We're also outward-looking. 
William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury during the Second World War profoundly said this, the church is the only society on earth that exists for the benefit of non-members. And as a church, we don't just look after ourselves, we're passionately committed to blessing those outside of the church. Many of our groups, for instance, do what we call blessing the community projects. And this last year, we had an all-in week, about 48 groups involved in 39 projects across the city and beyond. In November, we did a little event. A number of our small groups in conjunction with the worship and newcomers teams hosted an acoustic night at Costa in Beeston, primarily for those who have no connection with church. And the evening was a mix of acoustic music and people from Trent telling their stories. Guests were then invited on to Christmas events and to Alpha. And one of our leaders commented, where else would you have the opportunity to engage 60 or 70 people who don't yet know Jesus and be able to tell them about the difference that he can make in our lives? We're always looking to connect with people who don't have a relationship with God. And so, as you've just seen, on those tables by the door, people considering faith can pick up why Jesus, can pick up changing lives. And last year, just on Sundays, we've given away well over 2,000 of each of those booklets, not to mention many, many more that have been handed out at Alpha and Blessing the Community Projects and on the teams, uh, via our teams on the streets. Alpha, a course designed for people Exploring the Christian faith has served just over 1,200 free meals this last year. The cafe, many of you be aware of just there, has brought many people into Trent who otherwise wouldn't uh, ever come through these doors. And it's great to see our doors are wide open to the community, and that's just one way they sometimes come in. The Arches have seen an increasing number of people from diverse backgrounds of different faiths and none wanting to volunteer with them, as well as climb clients who have started volunteering on the team. And of the 48 people that we baptized last year, at least three first connected to us through being clients at the Arches. Vineyard Kids is very outward looking, embracing new children every week, and regularly they put on events open to families who don't have any experience of church. Let me tell you about one little hero of mine, Daniel, he's 10 years old, is a member of one of our micro groups for children, and after the group talked about bringing God into everyday life, he set a challenge for himself to do three things. To share sweets with his whole class, try to offer to pray with someone who was struggling, and to spend a lunchtime with a certain boy in his class. So a few days later, Daniel's friend Leo had fallen over in the playground at lunchtime, and Daniel sat next to him, talked to him, and offered a prayer in the middle of the playground for him. At the end of the week, he took in a bag of sweets, shared it with his entire class, and he told them the reason was his love for Jesus. The third challenge sounded easy, but it, in fact, was the most difficult. Daniel's classmate had some behavioral problems and needs to be supervised by a teaching assistant all the time. So Daniel asked if he could spend a lunchtime with him, but he'd been refused. So this enterprising 10-year-old, in response, wrote a letter to the head teacher asking for permission. When asked what he would like to do with his lunchtime with this classmate, he said he might like to take his Bible in for them to read together. Daniel invited his whole class, their siblings and parents, to his birthday party at Roller World, and he chose his own playlist for the party, and he wanted to let all his friends and all their families hear his favorite worship songs. 
The facilities team have seen a number of people join them in a voluntary capacity over the last year, with about nine coming at least once a week to serve in practical ways around the building. Several of them come from the Carpenter's Arms, a rehabilitation center for men challenged by drug and alcohol addiction, many of whom are members of the church here. And that team work hard to make those guys feel welcome, part of the community, and inspired by the church's vision. Those who have no involvement in a church are often far more likely to fall back into addiction at the end of a program. And it really is a privilege to be a part of their journey of faith, embracing them as they serve alongside us. One of the guys who's been working with those guys, his name is Paul, he's been volunteering with facilities for a year now. And despite experiencing great difficulties in his personal life, he's responded to the encouragement of the team here. And now he does a sessional day once a week doing carpentry and a voluntary day working with the volunteers from the Carpenter's Arms. And with some support, he's now running a business during the rest of the week, he's bought a van, and he's now in a very different place to when he started. Over 100 of our students have been involved in numerous projects over the last year, including giveaways, intending to bless others in their houses, in their halls, in their communities. 100 survival packs were given away in Freshers Week, and students had fun giving out a whole range of things, from hot drinks and cakes to McDonald's fries, an awful lot of McDonald's fries as an expression of God's love with no strings attached. Now, one aspect of being outward looking is not just building this local church. Did you notice near the end of the sentence of the vision statement, it talks about planting other churches? And God has blessed us so much here that we're committed to training people up and sending them out to other cities to start and to build churches. Over the last dozen years, we have planted eight from here, and we are excited to announce that we are about to plant our ninth. Paul and Steph Lowe, who have been on our staff for a number of years, will be taking a large team from here to plant in Manchester in the next few months. And you know, planting churches is a lot like giving birth. It's painful. It's difficult. But it is so, so worth it for the sake of the new life which is born. And about 13 of our staff, that's a lot, about 13 of our staff have felt prompted to give up their jobs here, to move to Manchester, find new jobs, and help to build this church, and there are others as well who are going. So that's very exciting for Manchester. It's a little challenging for us here. However, we do know with absolute certainty that the Lord has initiated this, and so our job, of course, is to cooperate with that. So many going with this plant means that there are many gaps to fill, which presents some wonderful opportunities for others to step up and take on new leadership roles, indeed staff roles. And the Lord's always been faithful in blessing us as a church as we've given great people away. And so we're expectantly trusting him for his plan here to unfold. It goes without saying that if any of you would like to explore going to Manchester with them, then feel free, of course, to talk to Paul or Steph. As a church, we're also compassionate. Again, imitating the Lord in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul describes God as the father of compassion. James, in his letter, says, the Lord is full of compassion. We see Jesus, in his earthly ministry, move with compassion as he healed people and fed people. God is utterly compassionate. And the way he generally reaches out to people 
is through his church. Hundreds of you are involved in serving others in need, and there are many thousands who've benefited from your care and service this past year. And of course, your expression of compassion goes way beyond stuff organized by the church. It, of course, affects every moment of our daily lives. The building, most of you will know, between this warehouse and the youth center houses this ministry called the Arches, and including all of its rooms, it's roughly double the size of this auditorium, about 25,000 square feet nearly. And in 2015, we helped over 3,000 people from 57 nationalities, of which over 500 were refugees and asylum seekers. 360 people volunteered last year many of whom were serving there weekly, some of them even two or three times a week. And it's by far the largest now, it's possibly the only distributor of free furniture in Nottingham. Last year, distributing 4,000 pieces almost of furniture. Now, in December, I was privileged to be on the team with many of you at the Arches, which welcomed the first 65 refugees being housed across Nottingham City. And working with the city council and other organizations, the Arches was the reception center for these families who'd fled their homes, and some of them lived in camps, they flew over, they were coached straight here, with all that they owned in a couple of holdalls. And we were able to give them a meal and winter clothing and toys for the children before team members then drove them to their new homes. It was just a really profound experience for all of us who were there a mixture of near overwhelming compassion mixed with this incredible sense of gratitude that we would have this opportunity. John Collins, the leader of the Nottingham City Council, wrote us this letter in response. Thank you, Arches Project. I am writing to offer the Arches my congratulations and hearty thank you on behalf of Nottingham City Council for the vital role your entire team played in welcoming our new arrivals from Syria to Nottingham. My officers have reported that the level of hospitality extended by your staff and volunteers went far above and beyond their expectations. Not only that, your efforts to ensure everyone was clothed, fed, and entertained as families were transported to their new homes were nothing short of outstanding. Please pass on my thanks to all your volunteers for the compassion they have shown in helping us manage the intake of these vulnerable families. As the festive season approaches, we can all draw satisfaction from having played our part in offering these families shelter and safety. But thanks to the efforts of your team, we can also say we have offered friendship. As we did last year, we're currently joining with other churches hosting the winter shelter, hosting about 20 20 people a night, sleeping rough or at risk of doing so, and as well as a bed, we also provide a hot meal and then breakfast or a hot snack and breakfast with a view to getting people into more permanent accommodation, and then the place is turned around each time the arches is open. So we have way too many areas of compassion ministry for me to even begin to list them, but this film captures the heart of what we do. Thank <laughs> you. 
you know what, we love our city and we wanted to be a people of action. And right from the beginning, we wanted to make a difference. Here's our story so far. When Trent started in 1996, right from the beginning, we wanted to be a church, a group of people that reached out to our communities and those in need in our city and actually make it a priority, not just an add-on. We really wanted to make a difference. To be honest, things started quite small and over the years we've seen things really grow and develop. We just wanted to be a blessing, love on people, demonstrating God's love in practical ways as well as being able to stand up for injustice. Over the years we've done this in so many different ways, it's been such an adventure. We have and continue to be a people on the move, whether it's teaching the excluded, feeding the homeless, furnishing homes, practical projects all over our different communities, visiting those in prison, sharing our homes. And also it's been so encouraging recently to see an increasing number of people in the church taking up the challenge of fostering or adopting. And just seeing young people placed in families, it's been life-changing. Over the years, as a church, it's been so encouraging that we've been able to send and support people to serve overseas in all kinds of different countries. At a local level, we've been able to support and help people become debt-free. We've been able to offer training, work placements, and also had so many opportunities to pray for people. We've also been able to create smaller group settings, just to build community and genuine relationships. To be honest, we have seen people from all walks of life, who have and are struggling for so many different reasons. We found that it's often just the small things done with great love that can have the biggest impact. Just recently, a man who'd been coming to our drugs clinic for a number of months suddenly mentioned he'd noticed that people had different coloured eyes. For so long, he'd held his head down. Now, finally, he was able just to lift his head up. Another person, just the other Sunday, had walked more than six miles to the church as he had no nappies and baby milk left for a seven-week-old baby and he knew if we couldn't help him, he'd have to steal. For many families through the arches, we've been able to completely furnish their homes when they've had absolutely nothing. Recently, we had a child who'd been looked after in the arches family room, and the little boy asked if this was being on holiday, and if it was, could he come on holiday again? Through the many different small groups we have all over the city, we've been able to bless our communities in so many different creative ways. Over the years, one of the things that has had a massive impact on us is to be able to support hundreds of refugees and asylum seekers, many coming to Nottingham from all over the world, often traumatised, abused and from war-torn countries, many having to leave children and loved ones behind, and to be honest, arriving with little or nothing. It has been such a privilege to be able to welcome them, feed them, clothe them and befriend them and just have ongoing relationship with them. As the church has grown and thrived, we are increasingly known in our city. And again, it is such a privilege to serve so many different organisations, including our city councils, social services and many others. 
As I reflect back over the years, we have met so many amazing, resilient, beautiful people that it has been a joy to stand alongside, to love them and just see genuine transformation. We just love seeing people thrive, grow and reach their potential. But you know, in all that we do, we really long for people to meet and encounter Jesus. And over the years, it has been a highlight to see people get healed, set free and start a personal relationship with him. You know, in all of this, we've often received more than we've given and learnt more than we could ever teach, as we've played our small part in so many people's lives. In all we do as a church, in the process, we are also changed and transformed, and we get to encounter Jesus in extraordinary ways, getting more of his heart and passion for the last, the lost, and the least. Again, we still have a long way to go, but I'm thrilled at the compassion that we as a church demonstrate. Now, we also seek to be generous. Jesus told his followers in Matthew 5, live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. And we seek to express God's generosity in everything we do. We want to host generously, which is why we have chocolates in the break. We want visitors to know that we're not after their money, but rather want to give them something that's unexpected. Same with the free refreshments. Over the last year at Sunday services, we have served nearly 27,000 donuts and over 48,000 cups of tea and coffee and given away in services nearly 43,000 chocolates. Some of you are having more than one, I'm sure. <laughs> Vineyard Kids did a mini-series called Worship God Loves, including a session on giving, and they took an offering for the work of Love the One in India and altogether gave almost 250 pounds. And some of them had their, a bit of help probably from their parents, but some chose to give out of their own pocket money, including Ben, seven years old, who asked his dad how much he should give. And his dad said, well, he should give whatever he felt was right. Ben gave all he had. Sophie, five years old, also gave all her money, even money she owed to her mum. In September, we responded to the refugee crisis by having one of our extravagant Sundays where we had a, a spontaneous offering, or with a week's notice, you understand what I mean, and we gave 96,000 pounds, three quarters of which went to Tear Fund to help with their work, a quarter was retained to facilitate the work that we're doing through the arches in responding to this crisis. Matthew Frost, who used to be the chief executive of Tear Fund and who has experienced Trent's generosity in past disasters, wrote this. Jamie has told me the incredible support yet again of Trent Vineyard towards our response to the refugee crisis. Thank you so much. We're blown away by the generosity of your church. Not only does the money allow us to make a real impact as our partners respond to the crisis, both in the Middle East but also closer to home, but it also comes as an incredible encouragement to our team overseeing the work. To know churches like Trent are praying and supporting makes so much difference with enormous thanks and every blessing. One of our discipleship year was getting on a bus and the person in front of him didn't have the correct fare. So he gave that person the money they needed and ended up walking six miles home because he didn't have enough money for his own fare. That's just absolutely beautiful. That's generosity. 
There was a little clap coming from someone there. You can applaud. As you've seen, we have ongoing commitments to Trent members ministering in other countries. And this last year, we've also started supporting a Somalian couple in our own church here, Shino and Shania, who both became Christians while living in Nottingham. And now they reach out to the Somalian community throughout Europe and Africa. And they meet with other Somalians. They use online media and chat rooms to meet with people. They promote films about Jesus in Somalian. And in the last year have seen, again, because it happened the previous year, dozens of people coming to faith in Jesus. One of the wonderful demonstrations of this church's generosity is the physical space that we have as a church. Over the past 16 years, we as a church have had a number of phases of building expansion since we outgrew rentable facilities. And so on top of the regular costs of running the church, members have also given the money needed to buy this land and to create these various buildings. Those of you joining us now really are the beneficiaries of extraordinary generosity of many of those who were here before you. So over the years, we've been able to buy the first plot of land and build the original warehouse. It was huge at the time and now looks rather small. Eight years ago, to buy the back car park and the building on that and extend this building. About five and a half years ago, to buy the front plot between there and Lenton Lane and create the youth center. And then three and a half years ago, to develop the other front plot building to house the arches. Now, we've had a small amount of money from external sources in addition to what the this chart shows, but it's such a negligible percentage we've not included it. So including the tax we've been able to reclaim on gifts, we as a church have given and pledged eight and a half million pounds towards building projects. That is amazing. That is marveled at by churches across this country and indeed around the world. Of that money, we set apart 20% in the early years, 22% in the last few, and most recently about 50% as we move the arches on site. And that set apart money from the building part has enabled us to give away or spend on activities that benefit those outside our church an amazing two million pounds. In order to build the various facilities, we have over the years taken mortgages out, totaling 1.6 million. And we've already paid off over 600,000, such that our mortgage currently stands at just under a million. Now, what's fascinating to see is that if the totals given and pledged had remained the same, but we hadn't set apart any money, if we'd used it all for property that was being used by the church, we would have been able to pay in full for all our land and buildings with no outstanding mortgage and would have a million pounds over. It's been incredible that we've been able to set apart and be so generous. We have much still to learn, of course, about generosity, but I believe we are a generous church. We also believe in doing things well. When God does things, he does them well. When he created the universe and he made us, the first book in the Bible tells us half a dozen times that God saw that it was good. And we're imitating him when we do things well. As we read the biblical accounts of God's instruction for the building of the temple and how to conduct worship, we see the best craftsmen employed, the intricate care taken over creating beautiful spaces, and the best musicians conducting worship, all for the glory of God. It pleases Him, and it communicates that we care about people when we seek excellence in the various ways in which we minister. The worship and production team have raised the bar for events this last year. They hosted two wonderful Live at the Warehouse events, 
The carol service was once again the best we've ever done. We had the largest number of people ever, hundreds of whom were not, uh, church, they didn't have a church, you know, they're unchurched guests. Across all three services, we delivered beautiful media pieces and highly entertaining dramas. We sang wonderfully arranged carols led by talented singers and musicians and heard a thought-provoking message about the story of Christmas. And we've had so much positive feedback from those services, often from people who have never been in church before. The Worship Network has, is made up of about 180 people who are either involved or they're interested in being involved in leading and facilitating worship within the church. And we've held different courses aimed at training and equipping members of the church to lead worship well, including guitar, vocal, keyboard, training for worship leading, and jam sessions. Vineyard Kids does things well and uh, really absolutely outstanding. The quality of our children's work is one of the reasons that it is growing so quickly. We are now averaging almost 300 under 11-year-olds here on a Sunday morning. One week, a woman turned up with, chill, with 12 children in tow, not all from the same family. And Nicola, our children's pastor, took time to make sure that all of the children were settled in the right groups. A few months ago, the Vineyard Kids team taught the children about putting their hope in Jesus and asked them if any of them wanted to respond. And over two weeks, 48 children decided to follow Jesus for the first time. They were given new believers packs that explain to the parents the decision the children had made and how they can encourage their children to pray as well as providing answers to some of the questions that the parents might have. At the family bonfire, over 900 people attended, nearly double the previous year. The number of stalls and activities was amazing thanks to a team of volunteers working with facilities, making these stalls as excellent of, as possible. And of course, the firework display itself was such a highlight. With the under 11s having expanded and now their big event, uh, most Sundays in the month, uses the youth center, our youth needed a larger place than where they were meeting over there. And so a wall was taken out between two of the youth rooms. And 40 youth and teams spent long evenings over three weeks decorating it, including taking out painting with three coats of paint, I understand, and putting back over 300 ceiling tiles. And it is now a great venue which is really helping accommodate their growth. We take seriously doing our best for God in worship here on Sundays each week. We have at least 30 musicians involved in leading worship on one or more Sundays each month and outside of Sundays. They've spent thousands of hours learning their instrument, continually practicing and rehearsing with their respective worship bands. Some of our worship band members wrote and performed many of the songs which were released on three national albums from Vineyard Records in the last 13 months. One of the things we do well is small groups, really the heart of the church, the place where so many close relationships are built, where people are cared for, and in addition to the, the uh, regular small groups we have all over the city and beyond, we now have 15 special interest groups, including those focused on things like sport and film and, and being single. We have two Mandarin-speaking small groups for the increasing number of Mandarin speakers who have joined Trent, and while they're very involved here on Sundays, they also meet one Sunday a month to have worship and a talk in Mandarin. Our youth team does a fantastic job of inspiring the young people in our church to love God and others. And on top of their weekly Sunday meetings, 
Trent Youth hosts small groups, creative workshops, sleepovers, weekends, so many things for our young people to be involved in. Everything we do, we try to do it well. As a church, I believe we are characterized by those, those five qualities. We are servant-hearted, outward-looking, compassionate, and generous, and we do things well. Not in our own strength, of course. We're utterly dependent on the grace and favor of God in everything we do. Without God building the house, it says there on the wall, those that build it would be laboring in vain. So everything we do is undergirded by prayer. Teams begin their times together in prayer. When the staff meet most weeks, we pray together. People are here every Tuesday morning, men's and women's prayer meetings. People pray before services. People walk around the city and pray each month. People meet for prayer and breakfast as well as worship and prayer every month. People pray for situations overseas. Every year we host a time of prayer and reflection on Good Friday. We have a prayer chain for urgent prayer needs. We run courses for people with a particular interest in developing in their prayer lives. We had a, held a week of prayer with prayer points being sent out every day, culminating in a Live at the Warehouse event. And we hosted Prayer 24, facilitating those who signed up to pray at home or turned up across a period of 24 hours, joining with other churches in Nottingham in the 10-day period leading up to Pentecost Sunday. There was a prayer labyrinth and other creative ways to help individuals and small groups engage in prayer. I think all that is to say, we believe in prayer. We know we can't do this in our own strength. We're incredibly grateful to God for his empowering and his provision. As we review the last year, one of the helpful measures of health is the church's finances, and I just wanna take less than four minutes to have a look at that. So the church's financial year runs from July to June, so what I'm about to show you represents the situation until 30th of June 2015. It's worth pointing out that they show our general running income and expenditure. They don't include any money given specifically to building expansion projects or to any special offerings. So let's ha have a look at how it came in. This is the year ending 30th of June 2015. The total amount which came in this past year was a staggering 1.91 million. It's a lot of money, mind-boggling amount, but we do a mind-boggling amount of stuff with it. It's a healthy growth of income of nearly 6% on the previous year. The blue slice, 66.2% is regular giving, which came in through the bank by standing order. Yellow, 9.4%, came in by irregular gifts, mainly through the Sunday offering. The green, 15.6% was tax reclaimed from the inland revenue, which had been paid on the money that members gave as we were a registered charity. And the purple, 8.8%, is profits from trading activities, mainly external organizations using this warehouse for conferences. Including what we gave away, we spent 1.89 million. That's 12% more than in the previous year. The green slice there is what we call set apart. 22% of our income is set apart to be given away or spent on activities that benefit those outside our church. And in line with the biblical teaching that the percentage we've decided to give back to God is given first before all the other expenses, even if we can't afford to do everything we want to do with the remainder, that 22% is set apart and it can't be used for other purposes. And that would include things like giving to Vineyard Churches UK, 
the costs involved in our ministries to the poor, including staff for areas like the Arches, mission abroad, blessing the community, various gifts given to other organizations and churches. The purple slice represents 31.2%, that's pastoral staff salaries and costs. The orange slice represents 18.2% spent on operation staff and costs, that's administrative, business, and warehouse. We have an absolutely fantastic and really huge staff team, who, as I said, are often behind the scenes working incredibly hard to enable the rest of the church to fulfill what God is calling you to do. So whilst the purple and orange slices are categorized here as salaries, bear in mind that it's all essentially ministry pioneering, organizing, leading, overseeing, administrating ministry within and outside the church. The blue slice, 21.6% represents ministries and operations, which is what we spend on top of the staff time on the vast array of ministry that we do, the cost involved with administration and the running of our buildings. The red slice represents mortgage payments, which is 6.1% of our total income. And the dark blue sliver there shows that we managed to save nearly 1%. So a very positive year. And in this current financial year, which began 1st of July, while we are a little behind budget on voluntary income, as long as new people begin giving, and some already giving increased their amount, as has happened in previous years, it looks like we will break even. If you have any questions about the finances, you're welcome to ask any of the trustees. You can get in touch via the church office. Now, this time last year, we talked about two emphases for 2015, the first of which was embracing new people. Since the tram opened about the beginning of September, we've seen an increase in people coming in the morning, especially children and youth, with 15% more under 18s than in the same period a year previously. On just one Sunday evening last year, one team member had arranged to go out for a drink in town with a newcomer that he'd met that night. Another team member had invited a newcomer over to their house for Sunday lunch on Easter Sunday. And the team also connected with a woman who'd been away from church for some time with ill health, and she uh, had felt she should come back to church that night. She'd been really touched by the welcome she'd, be, she'd received, and she got chatting to people at the doors and then at the Connect area, and she texted someone afterwards to say thank you that she'd really felt God's welcome. A woman who has lived just off Lenton Lane for 20 years had heard about Trent for some friends, said, you must go to Trent, it's really close to where you live, but she, wasn't, she never found us. She wasn't aware that we were here until we redid our signs which light up at night. And after seeing the signs, she decided to come along on a Sunday. She came to a newcomer's dinner. She came to Alpha, and she's now in a small group. Another woman I met had been listening to our talks online for two years, but was unable to get here until the tram started running past our door. She is in a wheelchair, and the tram has enabled her to come regularly. So she started coming on Sunday. She came to a newcomer's event, and she did Alpha last term. We made a little piece of film about one family's experience of being embraced this year. Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Mark. And this is just a little bit about our story over the last 12 months that we'd like to share with you. We fir I first came to Trent because um, Mark and I separated and I felt that Perhaps my way of doing things in life wasn't quite right and we'd perhaps have a go God's way, really. 
I started coming along because um, Jane had clearly started her journey um, and um, I think as part of that you know she decided to you know give me another opportunity um, to, to mend our marriage. Uh, I found out about Trump because of my friend Jenny um, who uh, her children go to the same school as my children and I knew she came there and a couple of other mums come as well so I found out about it through that. As I walked in, I sort of looked round and thought, I'm, I'm never going to find Jenny or Laura or any of the others. Um, but then um, Judd came from one way and Laura came from the other because they were walking around looking for me because they knew I was coming. And so they both gave me a hug and they'd saved me a seat um, and got me a drink. And so it was just amazing because yeah, I never, I thought, I'm just going to have to stand here because I'm not sure I'll find anyone that I knew. Um, but yeah, they found me and, and sat me down and, and it was lovely to be included straight away. The Newcomers Mill was lovely, it was um, nice to meet other people that were in the same position that had not long been in the church um, and then we heard Debbie tell John and Debbie's story which was incredible. Um, in the Alpha course um, I had a, 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 say a lot of questions um, uh, which I was answered um, and um, you know quite far into the Alpha, uh, the Alpha course uh, there was the opportunity to um, say a prayer and give my life to God and I felt that that was exactly uh, the right time to do so. So uh, I, I did that and uh, welcomed the Lord. Alpha was really amazing. I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, and But I think I, I've learned lots about lots of things. I've learned lots about myself, I've learned lots about Jesus, about faith, about praying. Um, Coming to church has made a massive difference to me on, on a very personal level. Um, it's changed me as an individual. Um, I feel um, more content, um, happier, um, less self-doubt. Um, and I think that that's had a major impact on my relationship with Jane uh, and my relationship with the children. So um, I, I feel I'm in a completely different place uh, 12 months on. Um, and, you know where I was and it's, it's a completely better place. Um, being part of this church for the last year has been quite incredible in our family. Um, it's brought Mark and I much closer together, um, much more communication happens now and there's more sort of um, compassion and empathy for each other and things that happen in everyday life. Um, our children are getting to know Jesus and um, reading the Bible and so that's, that's for us that's, that's really good. I really like the, the small group. Um, you get a chance to sort of get to know those people better. There was a few people that I already knew um, who I went to the small group we go to um, and it's just you get to know them better. Um, we, we sometimes pray out loud and that's made me a bit braver in my prayer um, and you just you feel like you really matter to those people and you know they're important to you and you're important to them and it's just such an important part of, of the week to go to small group. And well we decided um, to get the children dedicated um, just we thought that was sort of maybe our next step in our journey um, and that was something that they would like as well as we would like to do um, as part of our sort of commitment as a family to be a Christian family. 
Sunday mornings are a lot different nowadays. We get the children up, they're quite excited. Um, they know if we get here early enough, they get to have a donut. Um, so we go in and, and we always make sure we get on time to have their donut. And then they love going to their groups. Um, and then we get time just to ourselves to sort of worship and, and um, just be in the main service. My Sunday is, Jane, you have now got to get out of the shower if we're going to get to church on time. <laughs> You're not allowed to include that. <laughs> <laughs>
sovereign healing. There simply is no medical explanation. This doesn't happen. We've had so many stories this year of people being healed in Sunday services, other events, people stepping out and ministering in everyday life. And here's a short film which just captures three of the many. One is of someone taking an opportunity to pray for someone at university. Another which involved an operation which went better than could have been imagined. And the third is actually taken from the healing conference. Hold the applause off until the film really ends or you'll miss something. Um, there was a time I was cleaning on campus, I was in one of the halls, and um, I was with a housekeeper who normally works there, and I was just explaining to her that I had pain in my arm because I'd had a previous accident, and she said that she knew how I felt because she had pain in her shoulders, and it was really hurting her when she was cleaning, and it was like an arthritis-type pain. And throughout the morning I felt really bad because I wanted to pray for her, but I just didn't know when or how. And I just asked God for an opportunity to do that, and the opportunity arose, and I said, can I pray for your shoulder? And she said, yeah, okay. Uh, so she came over, I put my hand on her shoulder and I thanked God for her. Um, I said, we believe in your healing power and I just commanded the pain to leave in Jesus' name. And she said, okay, let's carry on then, carry on cleaning. So later on, um, she was in the kitchen and she said, I think your prayer worked, the pain's completely gone. And I just said, praise God, that's amazing. Um, and afterwards she was testing it out and. Her, her shoulder didn't hurt, she was trying to open bins, asking God to help her, and, and she was able to do that, so it was really good. One day after work I developed some chest pains, so I went to the walk-in centre and was told that I had a leaky heart valve. I had many tests at the hospital, and one of those tests found I had three diseased arteries, and so they were going to put this operation that I was due to have on hold. I was due to have a mechanical valve fitted, Later on throughout the year I had a stroke and then they wanted to speed up this uh, date for the operation due to the stroke. I went forward for prayer and Dick Mansfield prayed for me that I would have a repair, not a mechanical valve fitted. I had a date for the operation, had the operation and to my amazement they told me that I had the repair done. And while in hospital I gave a Changing Lives booklet to an old gentleman came back to see him later, he told me that he decided to put his trust in Jesus, so I prayed for him. So we both got our hearts fixed. Praise the Lord. Last night I just really felt God touch me incredibly powerfully and um, I have lupus and I had sensory neuropathy. I don't have any pain in my legs at all. I only took pain medication this morning and I only took half of my normal dose and I haven't needed any for the rest of the day. When I arrived in church, I'd got pain in my right knee, um, and it was a neurotic pain. It feels like an electric shock, and it all the whole service. And then, as the guys came up, I was praying, "Please, Lord, please, will you let someone take, you know, say this word so I can get this pain gone?" And uh, and my husband put his hands on my knee um, and just prayed, and and it's gone. You know, my 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 knee is feels absolutely fantastic. I don't have any pain in that whatsoever, but. I just really feel that from last night God gave me a, a tremendous inner healing, that I needed an emotional healing, I needed to be free of words that have been spoken over me when I was younger, that I was worthless, that I was no good. I feel amazing today, we haven't stopped smiling all day. Um, I just feel that God's lifted the depression off me, 
and that, you know, my legs still are tingling from last night. All last night, when, whenever I woke up in the night, they were still tingling. I just really feel that God is still doing a work in me that he's, you know, um, repairing uh, the nerves in my body from my feet, you know, upwards. And that just God is blessing me mightily, mightily. And especially is encouraging me to pray for others. Um, and um, I've been doing that today and just seeing God heal. And I just want to praise God and give him the glory. Um, I can actually stand that I, I you know my balance is, is normally quite bad my legs are still quite weak but I've got to work on that but I haven't been able to stand through the whole of um, worship at all for years for years and years and the last two days well two lots of worship I've been able to stand and put my hands up and worship God and I haven't been able to do that for I don't know how long in fact I don't honestly know how long years and years and years and years and I just know that God's going to just strengthen my legs more and more and more and I have just thrown off the cloak of disability which is the words that Randy used get rid of that cloak of disability in Jesus name Amen So here I am six months on um, feeling absolutely amazing God has done so much in my life um, I've now got nails hair's grown, it's not falling out and breaking off. Um, I've lost two stone in weight and I do water aerobics, which I never ever thought I would say that to anybody. Um, and I just feel so different, in such a different place. Still have my bad days, uh, just same as everybody else. Um, my relationship with Jesus has just gone from strength to strength and um, constantly get words of encouragement um, from um, other Christians um, and messages. And I just have so much hope in my life. As we look ahead into 2016, we're going to continue to press on these pedals of serving others and being outward looking and expressing compassion and generosity and doing things well to the best of our ability. We'll also continue to press on embracing new people and leaning into the extraordinary. And while we do all that we do as a church, we want to focus on three particular little things this year. The first of which is growing deeper with God. God created us as human beings, not human doings. Life is busy. There's work and there's commuting and there's study and shopping and paperwork and children and parents. And growing spiritually can, can actually come down the list and get squeezed. If you were here, if you were not here for the two talks I gave in October in the investment and return series on engaging with the Bible and remaining in the vine, I really would encourage you to watch them or listen to them. Do it on your own, perhaps do it in a small group, because they practically unpack what I mean by growing deeper with God, as I shared from my own experience. One little tiny example I gave in the one about the Bible, I talked about the community Bible experience, and I'm delighted that over the last year we've had 24 groups and over 150 of you engaging with this. It's a way of reading the test New Testament over a couple of months and discussing it in small groups with others. And a few of the small groups have also engaged with the material, one using WhatsApp to have a conversation ongoing through the week, and we've heard just great feedback from those who've done it. One woman who's been a Christian for years said that her small group are loving it and that she had never read the Bible like it before. If you'd like to get involved in one of those, just talk to the guys at the Connect area and they'll sort you out. So growing deeper with God. Secondly, 
making space for new people. As we continue to embrace more people, we are facing a challenge, particularly in the morning. That is making space. I mentioned that we're growing and we are pretty squeezed some Sunday mornings, especially in Vineyard Kids. So we've been looking at ways to create more space. Work has already begun, reconfiguring the offices in order to create more and better space for Vineyard Kids with two new large rooms downstairs where the business and admin office, they've just moved out and that's all being torn apart right now. Uh, that's gonna become two large children's rooms. That work's gonna create a bit of short-term inconvenience, particularly for staff, but it's gonna make Sundays much easier for children. And at the same time, we're continuing to work with architects on ideas, ways in which we might be able to create more adult space as well as perhaps building more children's space. And anything we do with those things is still some way in the future. But as and when things become clearer, I'll talk more about it. But I mentioned this as just a little emphasis this year because you may come across building works going on and things being torn apart and inconvenience, but it's short-term pain for a wonderful long-term gain. Thirdly, we want to invest in relationships. As a church, we are very active. We do a lot. We achieve a lot, as is quite evident from tonight's talk. We go at near full throttle, especially our leadership staff and our leaders. And as a senior leadership team, as we were praying about what we should lean into this year, we sensed God's invitation to slow down a bit, to have something of a fallow year to hold back from our normal drive of continually starting new things. And as I mentioned, with around 13 of our staff and a bunch of others going on this church plant to Manchester, that's a lot of change for the staff to negotiate as gaps are filled and others step up to take on responsibility. And so we felt we would do well to consolidate a bit for a season as we look at ways to simplify some of what we do and focus on priority areas. So we've already taken some steps in this direction, like halving the number of leaders' meetings to free up a little bit of space in leaders' diaries. Now, some of you are really busy with ministry, and I would encourage you, those of you who feel you are just too busy, and I'm like speaking your language here, to slow down a bit and spend more time just being with friends. Have friends over for dinner, invite someone for coffee, spend time with people who aren't Christians. Now, it's all very well to say that, like get less busy. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, others of you are the answer to their prayer, okay? To enable those who that applies to, to do that, we want to encourage those of you who are not involved in serving to get involved. There are gaps to fill in many ministry areas. There are also opportunities for some of you who are already serving to step up to higher levels of responsibility, to take on and share some of the load. And so this focuses about relationships and slowing down a bit, but it will only be possible as others of you play your part. On a more general note, one of the best ways to make and deepen relationships is in small groups. And here's an interesting thought. Statistically, as you sit here, either the person on your left or your right is not yet in a small group. Maybe they don't want to be, that's fine, but maybe they would love to be involved. Maybe they'd love to be invited to yours. You don't have to do it tonight, but just as a way of thinking, as we help new people integrate into the family, personal invitation really is so important. While we create space for relationship with God and with others, it's worth saying that we do all these things with an expectancy that God is with us. 
We are carriers of his kingdom. We long to see his kingdom break out in our lives, in our friends' lives, in our neighbors' lives, and in the lives of those we have not yet met. Now, as 2016 gets underway, we need to keep pace with what is needed to achieve what God has for us this year. There are many things we would like to do. We don't have enough volunteers to do them. We don't have enough money to afford them. And we're praying that as more and more of you, you would take up this God-given challenge to invest your time, your energy, invest your money in joining those of us who are already committed in building this little expression of God's church. Those of us who would count ourselves as followers of Jesus know that commitment to Christ also means commitment to his cause and his church. If you're a follower of Jesus but you're not supporting his church and his cause, you're missing out on what truly following Jesus involves. Now, we are, as a church, blessed financially. We have some very generous people, as has been quite evident tonight. However, there are many of you who haven't yet caught the vision of giving to the work and ministry of the church. And let me just say, please reflect on what you have heard today, what you're a part of, and let me encourage you to invest financially in all the Lord is doing here. Move from being an attender at Trent Vineyard to becoming a member. If a good number of you were to begin giving, even a few percent of your income, it would release the church to move on into an even more fruitful future. I'd also encourage those of you who are financially committed just to review the amount you give. Increase it if you feel the Lord prompts you to do so. So for any of you who want to use them, there are forms on a seat near you. There's a box by the door if you wanted to drop that off before you left tonight. Or you can just bring it back on a Sunday. You can post it. There's a free post address in that form. And incidentally, um, most of you would probably want to do this with your own bank online. That's our preferred way to do it. And then um, to let the finance department know that you've done it. That's really helpful as the accounts come through. So giving at trentvineyard.org is the place to uh, email for that. But in the form there, it didn't print very well, but the the, the bank details are hidden in the bottom left corner. And you can also give via the website. Now others of you would like to get involved in serving, and as you've heard, we need many of you to get involved in this way. Loads of teams to potentially join. There's gotta be one that would fit your gift mix. And if you'd like to use it, there's also on a chair near you one of those forms. And you can just fill in one or two ticks in there. Someone will be in touch with you, invite you to come and try something out. And then you can decide then if you would like to go on a row to say once a month. So we look forward to the rest of 2016 with great anticipation of all the Lord will do among us and through us this year. We love this church. It is a joy to serve you as we follow the Lord's leading together. And we're so grateful we get to be part of this great extended family. To God be the glory, great things he has done.